Welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, an integrative health podcast by Center for New Medicine. We created the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast as an extension of our mission to educate and empower individuals along their health journey. This integrative health podcast will bring you in-depth expert interviews on a plethora of health topics. Tune in bi-weekly for interviews on how to create a non-toxic lifestyle, integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Lindsay, and today is another dual interview between Dr. Keneally and Dr. Christiane Northrup. She is a leader in the world of menopause, female hormones. Dr. Keneally mentions that she was actually the one 30 plus years ago who introduced Dr. Keneally to transdermal bioidentical hormones, which absolutely changed Dr. Keneally's life, as well as the lives of so many of her patients once she started implementing this as well. It's just a fascinating interview between two medical practitioners who have been in the health and wellness world for so long and have really been fighting the case for functional integrative medicine for so long. Dr. Northrup shares a little bit about her background, how really integrative medicine was a huge part of her life growing up and she was always in it. There's a lot of history in this episode, which I think is fascinating in terms of hormonal replacement therapy for women and how it has evolved over the years. And both doctors touch on the appropriate way to use hormonal replacement therapy, why it's so important, especially for women who are perimenopause, menopause, why bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is not a concern for cancer, which is something that the media has really created a lot of fear around, and so many other fun little tidbits along the way. Well, Dr. Northrup, welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. It is my pleasure to be here with like-minded women who know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to, this is going to be such a juicy episode, I think. But before we dive into hormones and menopause, can you start by just sharing a little bit of your background? Were you always in the integrative medicine field? If not, what brought you there? And then what brought you to menopause? I was always into the integrative medical field because in my family of origin, we had some uh, medical emergencies that did not respond well to actual medicine. My, my aunt and uncle were both medical doctors. My dad was a dentist. He worked on facial reconstruction during World War II in a MASH unit. And uh, one of my brothers was born and he wouldn't eat. I'd had a sister before him who wouldn't eat. She died in the hospital. So they signed my brother out against medical advice at the age of uh, one year, he weighed 10 pounds. And they finally found a doctor at Women's Medical, the former Women's Medical in Philadelphia, 
who was a pioneer in pediatric endoscopy. My brother had been fed every hour on the hour with an NG tube that my dad put down. The doctor said he's uh, mentally defective. He's going to die. Bah, 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 bah. They didn't, they were no help whatsoever. This doctor put the tube down and said, his esophagus is so eroded that you got to get that tube out or he's going to rupture. And then she said, let's just wait. Like, you know, like a good mother, let's just, let's just see what happens. And he started to eat. And to this day, we have no idea what his original diagnosis was. And then later when I was interviewing at various medical schools around the country, my dad ended up in the coronary intensive care unit at Buffalo General. After two days, he called my mother. He said, come and get me. They don't know what's going on. He had, um, he had phlebitis from the IV infiltrating and, uh, she got him. The nurses were furious. You know, his chest leads hanging off him and he walks out. He had uh, infectious pericarditis. He did not have a heart attack and he was absolutely right. They did not know what was going on. And when I came home from a particular interview, he's sitting up in a chair with fluid two thirds up uh, his lung fields because he couldn't lie down flat, reading The Godfather by Mario Puzza. And he <laughs> healed well at home. So I saw these things as a young child. Also, we were into Adele Davis, let's eat right to think. You know, um, my parents did yoga way back before it was ever popular. Dad took yogurt to his patients who were on antibiotics. My mother made the yogurt because you couldn't get it commercially. So, and he would always say, um, when you picked up something that had fallen down on the ground, your food, he'd say, you can eat anything. Let the earth pass through you and you will be immune to everything. So I grew up with a very integrative approach unbeknownst to me. So then when I got to medical school, I had said to my mother, well, I, I'll just get an MD degree. Seems like a better degree than a PhD, but I want to find out why doctors don't tell you the truth. I want to find <laughs> out why they don't talk to you. And then I went into medical school. I went to Dartmouth and saw my first baby born. And it was like the Red Sea parted. I just cried and there was nothing else that I wanted to do after that. Sitting with women in labor was like breathing. So mm -hmm. easy. And then I uh, joined the board of the American Holistic Medical Association in the 80s. And so I was around a lot of like-minded doctors. And I heard Dr. Cathcart, who talks about uh, tissue saturation with vitamin C and how you can heal just about anything with that, which is true. And so I had all of that stuff. But at the same time, I loved my practice. I loved my colleagues. I loved the whole conventional thing. But I saw that there was a missing piece. And that was the spiritual piece, uh, the nutritional piece. I also sat with Michio Kushi, who was the founder of Macrobiotics in the United States. And I watched him do individual consultations. And remember, these people brought in medical charts this high. These are people with cancer. And the standard medical system had given up on them entirely. And so he would do this, what was called oriental diagnosis. And I watched many of them change dramatically within one month of changing to an uh, organic-based diet. And so I wanted, so I just added that to what I was already doing, but was always walking a tightrope with my colleagues because believe it or not, back then, if I even mentioned diet to a breast cancer patient, I had to close the door so I wouldn't get reported. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, that's how bad you couldn't even mention nutrition. 
at that point. Uh, so I was always trying to bring in the missing pieces into what's really good about conventional medicine. Mm -hmm. And I eventually wrote Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom because I needed to invent a language of women's health. What we have is a language of women's disease. So if you go to a health fair, what is it? It's cholesterol, it's blood pressure, it's pap smears. Those are all disease screening. That There's a place for that, of course, but it's not about health. It's disease screening. Like we think that health is, um, you keep coming back. This, this, is how I this is how I describe women's health, right? Conventionally, keep coming back. We haven't found it, but we will. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, instead of how do you live day to day proactively in order to create optimal health? That's correct. Yeah. So that's the that's the the deal. I'm a board certified OBGYN. I was president of the American Holistic Medical Association um, and uh, worked with Bernie Siegel, a Yale trained surgeon. Mm -hmm. And again, I've never seen the need to separate out nutrition, spirituality, all of that from regular medicine. It makes no sense to have them split. But I also know the history of the Rockefeller Foundation coming in in about 1910 with the Flexner Report and uh, giving massive amounts of money to people who would who closed down the homeopathic med schools, the osteopathic, the chiropractic, the herbology, because and invented the word quack so that anything that was not a petroleum-based drug was considered quackery. And so we are, I, in uh, my, my opinion, we're at the tail end of that tyranny because uh, then also the Rockefeller Foundation founded the American Medical Association while in 1946, the association, American Association of Physicians and Surgeons was formed and they decided to be for the patient. The AMA is for the government and insurance companies. Um, my colleague, Dr. Lee Merritt, an orthopedic spine yeah. surgeon with the Navy uh, has told me about the history of the AAPS. So what we have is this gigantic split in the healing arts where what I've done is considered, oh, that's woo woo. And, you know, and over here is real medicine, but we all know, those of us who are true healers, that it's the bringing together of those things that is the most important. And the compliment I get most on my books is women who say, I always knew the truth of what you're saying. I just never heard a doctor say it. So, so when, I, when I say I invented a language of women's health, it's a language all women know but we needed it articulated. You know how you got to go from Broca's, Wernicke's area to Broca's area in the brain to speak it out. And any of you have ever uh, written anything down or written a book, it's one thing to know it. It's quite another to get it down on, on paper. Paper. And then, and then what it does, it reflects back to women. Oh, that feels right to me. There's a still small voice that has told me the truth of that. And then they're empowered to go out there and stand up for themselves and to seek out something different from drugs and surgery, even though we all know there's a place for that, but not 
not to the point where we've we've gotten where uh, the average 65 year old in the United States is on six prescription drugs. I mean, what's that about? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, nothing is about preventive, proactive, personalized medicine. And it's not about fixing the patient from head to toe. Like you said, the incorporation of the spiritual, emotional, physical well-being, because there's no time to talk to the patient now. It's all about filling out an electronic medical record. And that's it. And it's the patient is completely lost. That's why all the patients are very unhappy and dissatisfied because the healthcare system is really beyond broken. But I believe you also that we've reached the point of no return in conventional medicine. I think so. Yeah. And now people are seeing that we have to totally restore humanity to the way the exceptional and excellent being that we were all destined to be. Beautiful. I completely agree with that. In fact, uh, the faster conventional medicine disintegrates, the better. I, I call it, it's on life support now and someone needs to pull the plug. Actually, they're doing it to themselves. <laughs> so- That's right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Well, the number one cause of death is heart disease. Yeah. Second is, is cancer. And third is the system. Yes, that's and exactly that, right. And that's published by Johns Hopkins. Right, right. So, and some people say it's really number one if you really look at it and, and look at all the drug interactions and what really is causing. Well, these. I think so. You know that 54% of our children now have a chronic disease. Yes. And I testified before our legislature uh, back in March of 2020 against mandating 72 shots by the age of 18. A lot of people do not understand how incredible the childhood vaccination schedule is now. It's 72 different mandated shots by the age of 18. So kids are being taken in. And and in my opinion, well, baby care is nothing but the opportunity to induct somebody into the medical industrial complex. That is correct. You're absolutely right. And unfortunately, there are states that mandate you can't go to school if you do not have these vaccines. Yeah, and ours is one of them, and that's what I was fighting. And after that, um, it's as though with this lovely career that I had with great respect and all of that, as soon as I testified, just using peer-reviewed literature, by the way, Right. You know, then from then on, you know, I got, uh, I learned what cancel culture was and, uh, you know, literally was being bullied and ganged up on in the, in the newspapers and on social media. And I just laughed. I said, this is ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. So when you, it's interesting, isn't it? That as physicians, we know that when they call it the practice of medicine for a reason, it's always changing. We always find new stuff. We always find what works better. And so the science is never settled. And so, you know, we've had this motto, well, science. And, you know, speaking of that, I remember this. In 1994, in my book, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, in the menopause section, I wrote that the Women's Health Initiative, that huge Women's Health Initiative, was using the wrong hormones at the wrong dose, and they would never find out what they were looking for. At the time, everybody, because most of you were not uh, you know, thinking about this at that time, um, they used Prempro, Premarin right. from the urine of pregnant horses, 
and Provera, a synthetic progestin that's not like natural progesterone. They were using that because Wyeth Ayhurst uh, supported the study financially. And the belief was this, that this hormone replacement increased HDL and therefore that little increase in, in high density lipoprotein would mean fewer heart attacks for women. So the, uh, the idea back then was if you were on hormones, you were less likely to get a heart attack, the number one cause of death in women. So therefore the, the huge women's health initiative was initiated to test that hypothesis because if they could get all women on hormone replacement, then we would save a lot of lives with heart disease. Now, and I really, and I said it, you know, I got the old 94 version and we're using the wrong hormone at the wrong dose. So therefore we'll never know. And by then I was working with Dr. Joel Hargrove of the Vanderbilt Menopause Center, the late Joel Hargrove, who is the guy who taught me all about transdermal hormones. And he, with his buddy from college, Joe Delk of the Delk Pharmacy, they were using transdermal estradiol with a little progesterone and plus or minus testosterone if you needed it. And it was very, very cheap. And he would say, Premarin is a uh, good hormone if your native food is hay. <laughs> and so then let's fast forward. 2002, I'm on vacation in Cape Cod Bay on a whale watch. And I get a call from the Wall Street Journal because suddenly they have suddenly stopped the Women's Health Initiative because they're finding that the women on the PremPro had a higher risk of heart attack, a higher risk of stroke. Now they did better in the osteoporosis category, uh, but they stopped the study because they said this was unethical. And so I remember at the time talking to them and also uh, the former president of the North American Menopause Society, Wolf Utian, who basically had been pushing Premarin for years. But all of a sudden, the sound bites and the narrative, well, what they did, they pulled the rug out from under women once again. So everyone now became terrified to take their hormones, which in many cases were really helping them. So then suddenly everyone's backing up. Oh no, hormones are dangerous and all of that stuff. And so women didn't know what to do. Then gradually the pendulum swung back to the middle and then the standard approach became, well, you take the lowest amount possible for the shortest time possible. And, but no one ever in our conventional field got into the hormone needs to be bioidentical, meaning it needs to match exactly what your own ovaries would make. And there, and you need a small amount of that. And it would be best if you had that for the rest of your life. And so uh, I, it's like I was in the hormone wars my whole career. Back in the 70s, my mother's best friend got endometrial cancer from Premarin because they were not using Provera. So it was unopposed estrogen. So then the pendulum swung. Oh my God, nobody can be on estrogen. It's increasing the risk of uterine cancer, which of course it was. Then they brought in Provera, medroxyprogesterone acetate, which is not a bioidentical hormone. And so that was used as like 
a vacuum cleaner. All right. So that, you know, you're on um, Premarin this many days and you're on Provera five to 10 milligrams a day for 10 days in the month and you'll have a period and all of that. Then we had Suzanne, um, what's her last name? You know, the, yeah, Suzanne. Summers. And, yeah. And Suzanne is using the Wiley protocol so mm-hmm. that, you know, everybody in, even into their eighties would get a period um, and high doses of uh, high doses of estrogen for that. And I was on the Oprah show with her. What was interesting about that show is that she didn't, Oprah never asked her about her own breast cancer diagnosis and about the fact that she had already had a hysterectomy. And I thought that those were incredibly important questions to ask because those are, those are issues. Um, the truth of the matter is that there is a place for hormone replacement, absolutely, but it needs to be the right type and it needs to be individualized and women do beautifully on it. But now, as you well know, women have been scared to death. In fact, as far as I can tell, it is the job of the mainstream media at this point, which by the way, is completely run by Big Pharma. It's their job to keep everyone completely terrified at all times, no matter what we're talking about, whether it's menopause or flu or infectious disease or cancer, they are keeping everyone terrified. And you're not gonna ever, I don't care what you're on, if you're constantly terrifying yourself, listening to the mainstream news, well, they said, and they said, and they said, uh, you're never gonna be healthy. So the first thing I would tell people, listen to podcasts like yours and turn off CNN. <laughs> right, exactly. The dis and misinformation oh. out there is uh, unbelievable. And like you said, fear is probably everyone's number one killer. So yeah. I see that with all the cancer patients. So, uh, and unfortunately uh, you and many other people are trying to change uh, and transform medicine that we, it's not evil and you can really heal yourselves. Yes. Given yes, the right direction. So, yeah. yeah. But, but so you when did, that power. Yeah. When did you start using uh, biologically identical hormones? In the 90s, about In 90, the 90s. 90, I met, um, his name escapes me, but a guy who was working with transdermal progesterone. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I began to use that with my patients, particularly in perimenopause for premenstrual migraines. And I, I studied biological, bioidentical progesterone extensively and found that it binds to the GABA receptors in the brain like Valium. So what was happening with many women is, as you know, when they begin to skip ovulations, it's then they don't have enough progesterone. They may have plenty of estrogen because sometimes they'll ovulate two different eggs and have all those follicles producing estrogen, but they don't have a corpus luteum in the ovary. So therefore they're not producing progesterone. So I found that for many women in that rocky roller coaster that, you know, perimenopause at six to 13 years, if they just used a quarter to a half a teaspoon of bioidentical progesterone, on their hands, their face, the soles of their feet, they, they did way, way better. Then I began to study phytoestrogens 
uh, because back then, you know, we, and I kept, by the way, I would meet guys from drug companies and say, why can't you put an estrogen and a progesterone together in a patch? So they were coming out with Vivel and Chimera and, um, you know, 17 beta estradiol. They were coming out with products, but they never, the only bioidentical progesterone they had was, well, they had uh, crinone and uh, vaginal gels and so on for fertility. But, you know, it would have been so easy. But then I realized, and everyone needs to know this, you cannot patent a naturally occurring substance. You cannot. And that's the whole crooks going back to Rockefeller and the Supreme Court. You can't patent a naturally occurring substance. Now, the way the drug companies got around that with, let's say, the Climera patch or the Vivel dot is they patented the delivery system, which I thought was brilliant. So, you know, this is, it's a natural substance, but the delivery system we patented. Um, I began also to look into various, uh, very high dose phytoestrogens from herbs like black quahosh and, and some women did well on that. I went to Thailand, I uh, researched Peraria morifica, right. which is a very, very good phytoestrogen. And there's some good studies that it replenishes the vaginal mucosa. What I was told, and this made me laugh, is that if I were to put that into a vaginal cream or a gel, that I would have to patent that as a medical device. And I remember giving a lecture and, you know, I said, okay, so I'm just told that needs to be a medical device. So anything that goes in the vagina is a medical device. So I had all the guys line up on one side of the room and I said, you guys better register your medical devices with the FDA. Somehow, somehow we, we got around it. And so, you know, it became a, a nice alternative, but all of the different things there's been, there's been so much done in that area, but it never seems to get into OBGYN training. And the reason for that, because I remember being in OBGYN training. So we had the Johnson and Johnson prize who goes to, you know, this resident and the orthopharmaceutical fellowship that goes to that. So remember if big pharma is running the show and giving the money and they can't patent anything natural, then what they have to do is they have to have their PR people dissing anything that's natural that actually works. Like, I mean, if we just did a study on high dose vitamin C, it used to be used to cure cancer, um, polio, by the right. way, Dr. Klinner. Um, so we need to look at all the stuff that's been hidden because you're gonna find a lot of stuff that, that helps. But there's no question that no woman should be suffering from the lack of hormones. Uh, you know, one of my friends said, and she had not had children, and it was a marriage in the later part of life, like 40 onward. And uh, she said the, the vaginal gel with Prairie Morifica changed everything so much with her sex life. She said, oh, my husband became my boyfriend. An example of if she had just gone to con a conventional person who didn't know she might have been told to suck it up, whatever. She was too young. She wasn't in menopause yet. Use KY jelly. You know, we, we hear a lot of use KY jelly. Um, it's not the same as replenishing 
the vaginal mucosa so that it's what's called cornified epithelium. And you've seen it under the microscope. And so that's what we're trying to do to help women. There's, there are estrogen receptors throughout the entire body. They're on bone, they're in skin, they're everywhere. And I, you know, what, what's interesting, you go back to pre-puberty and we always have some estrogen on board, always. But then at puberty, it just increases. After menopause, you can go back down to a lower level. In other words, you don't need to get a period every month. Most women um, in their 80s are not real interested in that. But so there's ways, and you and I know this, uh, because we were always taught how to give birth control pills to women so they'd never get a period on their honeymoon. I mean, remember seasonal, I'll never forget seasonal. This is a you know, new type of birth control pill. This is how it works though. I want everyone to know how the scam works. Okay, so you spend like three years in women's magazines getting women afraid of their period. Oh my God, chronic incessant ovulation could lead to ovarian cancer, right? We never talk about chronic incessant ejaculation, do we? No. <laughs> so um, anyhow, so then what they do after they do those women's magazine articles, then sure as, sure as the snow flies in Maine, you come to a point where they're advertising seasonal, a birth control pill so that you only have four periods a season. This is no big breakthrough, folks. You can, you can do that with hormones all the time. We've always known how to do that. So it's no big breakthrough. And then women are saying, well, you know, shouldn't we be having a period to clean out? Da, 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 da. You know, if you're on bioidenticals, you never need to worry about that. And by the way, we have, and I've met them, people who have developed birth control pills made completely with bioidentical hormones. You can do it, but there's no money in it. There's no money in it. And so here we are. Now, just recently, my formulary pharmacy that started in the 90s because of how many people were interested in this um, is now under the gun. The FDA is trying to say that formulary pharmacy hormones are not FDA approved. And by the way, the pharmacies operate under a completely different uh, legal system from a doctor approved FDA drug. There, the United States Pharmacopeia has been there forever and the FDA formulary pharmacies are a whole different category. So when you say, well, the bioidentical hormones that my formulary pharmacy makes are not FDA approved, they're not even supposed to be. It's a different deal. I've talked to a lot of formulary pharmacists and I wish that everyone had access to a formulary pharmacy. Mine used to be able to send prescriptions all over the country. Now they can only send prescriptions, I think to, I'm in Maine, so New Hampshire and maybe Massachusetts. I was just talking to a formulary pharmacy in Virginia. They can't send anything out of state. So the, again, the, the entity that's running all of this is Big Pharma, which you pointed out, which is responsible for the, the third leading cause of death in the United States is properly prescribed drugs, properly prescribed. 
And that's, that's where we are at this point. So can we do what you're doing, pick up the pieces, the best stuff from a, a broken system and move on from there? I don't know what you're, I mean, you're obviously doing it, which I'm very, very grateful for. So that's a little oasis. Are you finding uh, pressure or are things going well? Uh, no, uh, we're in Cal fortunately in California and I've been prescribing bioidentical hormones for, well, interestingly enough, because I am a DES baby, I found progesterone and progesterone saved my life. And this yeah. was 30 plus years ago because I never had two periods in a row in my life. And I was telling Leanne yesterday, now I use progesterone injections at the time because that was all that was available. All, At least yeah. that's, you know, so yeah. I use progesterone in oil, but I told her in four hours, I'm like a completely different person. It transformed my existence. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's and what so, Joel Hargrove used to say. He said, you'd get this woman come in, you give her the, uh, I am injection of progesterone. It's like the lights go on. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, it's staggering. Your digestive system, your brain, your skin. I mean, I told her, I am living proof of that. I'm 64 now and I don't do, I found transdermal and time-release progesterone by a formulary pharmacy. And, and we have to keep these hormones alive. We must, because yeah. they are a lifesaver, not only for women, but men also. Yes. So why don't you talk about like all the hormones and the orchestra that's really involved, Dr. Northrup? Well, first of all, we know that the precursor, DHEA, uh, comes from the adrenal gland. And many, 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 many people today, from watching the mainstream media and being scared to death, from not sleeping enough, from eating a crappy diet, um, have adrenals that are not functioning well. And they also require a full complement of B vitamins in order to make the DHEA hormone. But you go from the DHEA, then that goes to either the ovaries or the testicles, but ovaries in the case of the woman. And then through 5-alpha um, reductase, you can make testosterone. And then you can, it's a, it's a hormone cascade where DHEA is the mother hormone that then the body through a series of metabolic processes, if you have the right like vitamin C and the B vitamins and so on and vitamin D can go down the pathway to estrogen progesterone or testosterone. Now, this is one thing Joel Hargrove taught me. In the face of too much cortisol and epinephrine, those are the stress hormones, excess estrogen, which women often get during perimenopause called estrogen dominance, will actually metabolize down the path of a catecholamine. So it will become a stress hormone the estrogen itself will go down the pathway. And that's uh, what you see in PCOS, polycystic ovary disease. So anything that a woman can do, meditation twice a day, I mean, we know from um, the uh, mind-body center, Herbert Benson, he came out with a kind of meditation twice a day um, and that decreases stress hormones and that alone can decrease hot flashes by 90%. Um, so that's what happens when you can calm the stress hormones. Now, the thyroid gland appears to be 
one of the master hormones to orchestrate everything. And you know, and I know the number of women who are hypothyroid. Um, the medical medium, Anthony William, who's an interesting guy who I know, um, has worked with many, many doctors. And what he says is the beginning of hypothyroidism is an Epstein-Barr virus infection. So think about the women you go off to college and you get mono, mononucleosis, right? That's Epstein-Barr. And then you go along and it remains dormant. And then come around perimenopause and there's all kinds of life changes there and all kinds of astrologic transits like the Uranus opposition age 42, where the dictates of your soul need to be heard. You can't just do business as usual or you'll get sick. Um, so then often the Epstein-Barr gets re-triggered and begins to make nodules and all of that kind of thing. So, but if you are on the proper diet and you're doing things for stress relief and all of the rest of it, then your body can fight the Epstein-Barr virus. But what happens is the hormone levels of thyroxin um, can either be way off the charts or not even enough. Because I learned from Anthony that hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism, Hashimoto's, Hashimoto's is nothing but inflammation of the thyroid, which is apparently from Epstein-Barr. But it doesn't matter to me that that's Epstein-Barr because there are viruses, there are hundreds of thousands of viruses and basically they're part of our genome. You get the body in balance, and, and everything straightens out, but you need enough iodine. And they put iodine in the salt way back in the 40s uh, in places called the goiter belt, which was the Great Lakes, where they didn't have any iodine in the food. So people were getting big goiters and also babies were getting what's called cretinism. And you don't need a whole lot of iodine, but you need some. And with processed food and so on, they've taken the iodine out. So I would say almost everyone needs to eat some seaweed or take an iodine supplement. There's iodorol, there's all kinds of them. There's Lugol's that can work. But I just learned that um, SSKI, supersaturated potassium iodide, appears to be the thing that is best absorbed by the body. And again, it'll detox you. It'll detoxify your body. So you got to start really slow. You get that SSKI, and I remember seeing it way back in my medical training, but now the way to get it is um, a company, Morgellons, M-O-R-G-E-L-N-O-N-S, MorgellonsDirect.com, and they will send it right to you. So I've started to use that instead. I was using nascent iodine and, you know, the Edgar Casey stuff, but we need a functioning thyroid. And from a functioning thyroid, you get functioning. And by the way, the ovaries and the breasts also have active iodine pumps. So we need enough iodine for proper ovarian function and hormonal function, and uh, also for breast function. So many women, uh, if they just painted iodine on breast cysts, I've seen those go away. So Iodine helps balance excess estrogen. Yeah, um, we use that all the time. We tell them to apply it with coconut oil uh, daily. Oh, that's great. That's great. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So that, again, this is a very cheap thing 
that everyone yes. can do and it changes everything instead of everyone being on Synthroid because Synthroid is just T4. And let me right. remind your audience, T3 and T4, the three and the four refer to the number of molecules of iodine in the thyroid hormone. So, and the other thing that almost everybody is deficient in is vitamin D3. Right. Uh, and I don't, you probably test for that, but the yes, level on every person. from 40 to 80. And okay. uh, we're finding that the women with the biggest problems with breast cancer and so on and osteoporosis have levels that are way suboptimal. So when a doctor says to you, uh, your levels are fine, are normal, we're not looking for normal. We're not looking for average. We're looking for optimal. And most people are not spending time in the sun because the dermatologists have told us how dangerous that is. I disagree with that. And I happen to know there was a dermatologist who tried to tank the career of um, that wonderful Michael Hollick, uh, major vitamin yes. D researcher at Boston University. Um, and he did a lot of his studies here in Maine, in Greenville, Maine. And he found out that the body does not make any vitamin D from the sun between mid-October and mid-March, if you're in a north, northern uh, climate. So you need to supplement. And I don't know, I remember many, many parents in my childhood giving kids cod liver oil. And right. it's terrible, but they have it now with lemon flavor. It's pretty good. <laughs> right. So, so we don't run out of time. Let's talk about the scare that doctors say about cancer and hormones. Yes, yes. Here's the thing. And you know, women are definitely afraid of mostly breast cancer from hormones. But I want to put it into perspective for women because here's what I always tell them. Are you afraid of breast cancer every time you drink a glass of wine? <laughs> I, I like to go right for the jugular because we right. know that every glass of wine or alcohol increases your risk of breast cancer because of the competing cytochrome P450 group of detoxers in the liver and because the alcohol competes with the same cytochrome system that detoxifies the hormones, the estrogens. So if you're not afraid of your glass of wine, then why should you be afraid of a little bioidentical estrogen that's just going to put you in the optimal range? where your body, and now remember the other thing that I want to point out, there are some women that continue to make high doses of testosterone from their ovaries for their whole life. And when right. you are a high T woman, then you're going to have the substrate to make the other hormones that you need. So what I would do is always get your vitamin D level, what it should be, get on the iodine, and then you start with some bioidentical hormones. I would do estrogen, progesterone, and, and see if your body can make that into the testosterone you need. And it's a, one of those things where the well-being, the well-being that comes as a result should make you get out of the fear thing. I mean, you, you know, there's some women, like if you have 
a mother and two sisters and an aunt who all died of breast cancer, it won't matter what you and I tell them for the science. They're already scared. They're not going to go near it. But I just, I've never been afraid of these things. Um, there's so many things that contribute to cancer. So many things like with breast cancer, the biggest issue is the woman being in love with the back walking away. It's the woman who um, has trouble receiving and keeps thinking that if she gives more and more and more, she will be loved. And once you understand that dynamic, you can turn it around because the breasts are symbolic of giving and receiving. And most right. women, uh, I'm friends with uh, um, Dixie Mills, who has uh, worked for years as a breast cancer expert and surgeon. She worked with Susan Love. And she said, the number of women who come in with breast cancer, most of them come into the office alone. They don't want to bother anyone. So these are like the nicest, most wonderful people in the world. And I had a woman with bilateral metastatic breast cancer in her lung fields. And she came into my office and she said, well, I haven't told my family yet because I don't want to bother them. I don't want to inconvenience them. I said, you know what? I think you dying is probably going to be an inconvenience. So I'm, you know, really sorry about that. So we, we women have to learn what the balance is. You know, the 70s, the second uh, wave of the women's movement, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, all that, which I consider crap. Um, we need to make a balance between the masculine and the feminine in our own lives. We need to learn how to appreciate the masculine and we need to learn how to ask for what we need. For us women in medicine, that's a tall order because when I went to medical school, I was told you're taking the place of a man and you're gonna do what women always do. You're gonna just leave the profession and blah, 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 you know? So I didn't know a big secret. This is a huge secret, women. Men want to please you. Oh my God, seriously. I had to go to the Mama Gina School of Womanly Arts to learn this. So to test it out one, uh, one Christmas, I asked my brothers, I said, I want to have a bonfire on the solstice. And I was going to go home to my hometown in New York State. I got home. My brothers had built me pallets to make a bonfire that you could see from space. They were just really happy to do the things that would please me. And I have found that that's now it's not true of narcissistic men. That's one in five. Okay. So those people, no, no, stay away from them. Wow. <laughs> but, wow. Yeah. But many women with breast cancer have been married to that kind of person and mm -hmm. there's nothing they can do uh, <clears throat> except walk away. And it's, it's the, it's the narcissist empath dynamic, which I've also finally nailed in my book, uh, Dodging Energy Vampires. But in menopause, here's what happens. We're back to menopause. That's when you begin to wake up. Oh my God, who, who am I married to? Or who am I? And it could be your boss. It could be your life partner. It could be a brother or a sister. But they generally are controlling the entire family. And once you learn the dynamic, and which tends to happen, 
at perimenopause because it is a developmental stage where you're at a crossroads, grow or die, grow or die. And yes, you want the hormonal support and the nutritional support, but you will not be able to escape the grow or die part of that. <laughs> so <clears throat> I know that as you have matriculated through life, and I have too, um, I have seen that probably the single greatest determinant of health and well-being is our spiritual emotional quotient. Can you tell me, can you discuss for our audience the critical nature of that? Yeah. Yes. I want to give you an example of that. Um, I once had a, a life plan consultant do for me numerology, astrology, and the Kabbalah. She did a combo, a combo platter of all those. And she gave me my life purpose, which, by the way, is your uh, north node of your astrological chart. The north node is where you're going in this lifetime. The south node is where you started from. The rising sign is your current life purpose. And um, when you understand those esoteric things, which will give you very specifically your soul purpose, then everything that happens you are no longer a victim of. Give you, I, I remember going out from my office one night, looking up at the stars, because it was late and I had that huge stack of charts. And I remember looking up and saying, God, help me do this right. Because I don't want to come back and repeat it because I know that if I come back and have to repeat it, it will be harder. So you want everything that happens. It needs to be something that you measure against your life purpose. So um, a more recent example, I was with the man of my dreams, happened to be a PhD epidemiologist who had run the Department of Public Health at our local university. At the time when I did the, uh, the mandates and the legislature, he's the one who said to me, go testify in front of uh, the legislature, I never would have done it. He did a lot of work with the government. So he helped me. So imagine, here I am, and I have a Harvard-trained PhD epidemiologist helping me prepare my testimonies in front of the legislature. So you can't really get any better than that. And he um, set me up for what I'm doing now. He later, he later died and it's a long situation and it was, you know, death with dignity kind of thing. And I then called an intuitive and she said to me, he came to you to die. And I knew it was the truth that he came to me to die, the person I thought I was going to go through the rest of my life with. And the whole relationship was so karmic, but so incredibly wonderful because it was like i finally was loved body mind and spirit mm. on every level and it healed mm. things so deeply you know how we always marry one of our parents well i married he was he was my mother in a million ways except that he was he, he just loved every part of me wow. and what that did was give me the strength for what was to come which was the whole narrative now and my take on the whole narrative and going around the country and 
um, helping people to trust their own instincts and, and learn how to stay healthy, despite the fear porn that's coming out every single moment of the day. So when you approach everything that happens in your life as an opportunity to grow spiritually and take responsibility for everything that happens and then do your part of the work, take responsibility for every part of it, but then make the changes. Empaths tend to be born with an inferior ego like me. You are looking for things to improve about yourself so you can be acceptable. Narcissists are born with a superior ego. They don't think anything is wrong with them and they have absolutely no insight. My job has been ego development, like to really understand my own worth. And if you don't understand that, it really does not matter how many New York Times bestsellers you have or how many accolades, they, it doesn't fulfill what needs to be fulfilled. So, and narcissists I think exist to help us empaths figure that out, but they never change. It's important to realize that any woman who's watching that guy you're with, who you're trying to buff up and trying to, uh, you know, giving him your life energy and your everything, he ain't going to change, honey. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice. Okay. Well, okay, we and to... I know, because Dr. C, you've got patients to run off and see, but I wanted to ask because you you actually have so many books, <laughs> but could you share with us, for the woman who wants to learn just more about menopause specifically, what book you would recommend, and then also which of your books you would recommend for the woman who talking about spirituality tuning in if there's a, a different book that you would recommend for that of yours yeah definitely um the wisdom of menopause is the book it's everything menopause what's going on in your brain what's going on in your body what to do about it and the spirituality runs through that however i have a book called making life easy and that's mm. my spirituality book but my favorite book of any that i've ever written is goddesses never age <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I love it. Well, we will make sure all of those are linked in the show notes. Dr. Northrop, this was truly such a joy for both of us. We cannot wait for our audience, for our patients to be able to hear this. And we're just so grateful for your time. Thank yes. you so much for being you and for doing what you're doing. It's so needed. And it's it just warms my heart to see doctors doing the right thing out there. <laughs>